FBI Radio. It's time for Down to Earth. It's our fortnightly conversation about how we can make our cities fairer and more sustainable. And today we've got a very special guest who's in Australia for just a brief time. His name is Jason Moore. He's a lecturer in world history and world ecology at Birmingham University, and he's co-author of a book that will be out in Australia in just a couple of months called A History of the World in Seven Cheap Things, a guide to capitalism, nature, and the future of the planet, which he co-wrote with Raj Patel. That is one of our guests. Our other guest is our regular host, um, Kurt Iverson. Welcome back, Kurt. Thank you very much. It's good to be here as ever. It's great to have you in. So um, tell me why you've grabbed Jason. To, um, I know. We're so lucky to have him in um, and grateful that you could make it. Um, only in town for a week. But Jason's somebody that has been, uh, as well as this book, about seven cheap things that we're going to get into um, has written some really important work uh, about the relationship, particularly between sort of capitalism and the environment, which is stuff that we get into on our show a lot. So yeah, it felt like a great opportunity to uh, have a conversation with you while you're in town. So thanks for coming in, Jason. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Alex. Um, so listen, the new book, Seven Cheap Things, um, that's the one we want to get into today. It's kind of like our Second little down-to-earth book club, Alex, I reckon. We've had, a, we've had a book club session before, but we're going to have another one today. And we've actually got the author here, which is fantastic. So can you break down for us, I guess, the key concept of the book to start with? What are you talking about, you and Raj, with this concept of the cheap thing? Well, for Raj and I, we've highlighted how capitalism is, for everyone except for the 1%, never cheap. Mm-hmm. The capitalism's cheapness is ingrained in its its logic. We're taught that that capitalism is about efficiency. It is about the best possible distribution of goods and services. And what we show is that cheapness is never a bargain. Cheapness is about an incredible amount of violence against women, peoples of color, uh, uh, colonies, for a very long time. In fact, our story goes back to the origins of the world that we inhabit today, which is uh, an origin that begins with Christopher Columbus and the invasion of the New World. Mm-hmm. So central to our argument and to the vision that we're communicating is that capitalism turns the vital, rich, dynamic, diverse relations of life, not just of human life, of culture, of all kinds of, of life on this planet, it seeks to turn them into things that can be bought and sold and treated cheaply, not just cheaply in price, but to cheapen the lives and labor of the vast majority of life on this planet, including the vast majority of human beings. Hmm. And that, I mean, it comes out of, you know, the work that you've been doing for, for I guess, several years now that, as you say, you know, the, there's a core claim that's being articulated through it here about the way we talk about climate uh, and environmental problems today that is sort of challenging the idea that um, climate change, for instance, or something like that is anthropogenic um, in the sense that it's human-induced where, uh, you know, part of your historical geography in that project is to try and make a case that this isn't just humanity that's producing something like climate change, but actually it's capital, right? Capitalism. Right. There's, there's, a, there's a fundamental misperception that goes on, and we've had this wired into our cultural everyday lives and our assumptions that if we accept that climate change is real, it must be driven by humans. It's anthropogenic. But of course, it's not really anthropogenic. It is capitalogenic. It is driven by the 1%. 
and by a long run, going all the way back to Columbus, a long run process of treating the biosphere as a place to dump waste, Mm -hmm. as a place to find human and other animals and plant life and and all of the, the, the possibility of the biosphere to turn that into essentially a work engine to work for cheap, as cheaply as possible for the interests of the 1% of the very richest, most powerful people who are, of course, overwhelmingly white and male. And so I guess to get into, you know, some specifics about then how you articulate that argument in this book, there's that list of seven cheap things. And I guess the obvious one for us to start with is nature and how nature is sort of (laughs) cheapened, I guess, uh, in the process of, um, you know, um, capitalist development over the last few centuries. So do you want to break down? So this is a great question, because even though the book is called Seven Cheap Things, Mm -hmm. nature, of course, is not a cheap thing. Nature in the idea uh, in in the idea that we all hold, which is nature is out there somewhere. It's about the forests and the fields and the streams. Um, that is, in fact, a creation of a long-term colonial and capitalist project. And here's the hidden secret of our idea of nature as full of birds and bees and fields and streams, that the hidden secret of it is that the vast majority of human beings from the era of Columbus all the way to today have been relocated from being members of society to being members of nature. So there are some great examples that we provide in this book. One is the uh, redefinition of so-called women's work, of care work in the rise of capitalism, but all the way up to neoliberal globalization, that women's work was redefined as non-work because women were naturally to do these activities. And therefore, they did not need to be respected or honored or uh, paid in any reasonable sense. And indeed, if capitalism were for a millisecond to pay for the costs of reproducing life in the home in all sorts of different ways, biologically, culturally, in every way, that there would it would collapse overnight because there would be no opportunity to make a profit. So nature is something that is fundamentally invented. This idea of nature as something separate from society is something that is invented in these centuries after Columbus. And it is invented through a very specific and identifiable set of problems and processes. If you've ever used the expression beyond the pale, well, we should ask geographically, what did the pale refer to? It was a line around Dublin where the English, after they began their most, most ruthless phase of colonization after 1541, drew a line around the Dublin area. And beyond the pale was where the wild were. That's where the savages were. The Irish were not really human beings. They were not part of society. And so we need to see that these ideas, these words of nature and society, which come into our language precisely at this point in the 1550s, that these are not just words. They are ideas that are treated as real. And and this was not just an English story. It was also a story that replayed again and again across the conquest of the Americas into the conquests of Southeast Asia and Australia mm. of the wild and the civilized. Yeah. And look, I think one of the things that I love about this work is how it, you know, busts open these really big 
questions of historical geography that take us back centuries, but actually really also speak so strongly to some contemporary issues around food, energy, etc. in our big cities today and as well. And you're so, bringing up about domesticity as yeah. well and its value. Yeah. So it's I reckon, should we give people a chance to have a breather with a song and then we can come back and get Let's into... Let's give people a few minutes to think about some of these ideas. Yeah. Um, with a tune because when we come back we've well we've got six more ideas chapters cheap things in the book to talk about we're not going to be able to squeeze them all in and unfortunately um that jason moore is heading back to birmingham university soon but we're going to make the most of him while he's here you're listening to down to earth it's our fortnightly chat about sustainability and the environment and geography and we'll be back right after this You're listening to Mornings on FBI Radio 94.5 and we are in the middle of Down to Earth. It's our fortnightly conversation about the environment and sustainability in our cities. And today we have got another very special guest in the studio who's spent some time um, lecturing and doing and being involved in some discussions in Sydney over the past week or so. His name is Jason Moore. He's a lecturer in world history and world ecology at Birmingham University and he's just finished a book. It's called A History of the World in Seven Cheap Things, A Guide to Capitalism, Nature and the Future of the Planet, which he co-wrote, I should mention, with Raj Patel. Yeah. So right before we got into the song, um, we were talking through the idea of, you know, that nature to society dualism generally and how... uh, I guess that long history of capitalism has sort of tried to create those dualisms um, for a particular purpose, but also getting into how that long history sort of relates to some of the, I guess, the, you know, the big big ticket environmental issues that we sort of often talk about today, but I think the book gives us a, a, some interesting new ways of thinking about. So one of those um, things that you do get into in the book with Raj is around food and cheap food. So do you want to maybe explain that for us as well. Absolutely. So food is one of these areas of life that completely blows up our idea that there is a set of social and cultural dynamics over here on one box and the web of life and nature on in another box that Mm -hmm. indeed our term for growing food is agriculture is putting together the web of life with human beings who are also of course part of nature and our fundamental acts around culture, meaning, uh, making sense of our relationships with each other and with the cosmos really flow in and through agriculture, growing food and food relations, also pastoral and hunting gathering relations of various kinds as well, because we should not necessarily prioritize one over the other. So this is perhaps the fundamental question of the 21st century, because Mm. there will be no addressing the climate question without rethinking top to bottom and bottom to top our relationship with food and food getting, all the way from planting, sowing and harvesting to preparing the food and, and everything in between. And that, of course, raises questions of cities as well. Mm. This is a question of town and country, of uh, uh, life and culture and the web of life all at the same time. And for us to be able to forge an effective climate politics, we have to overcome a lot of the habits, political habits of division between agrarian politics and urban politics, between environmental politics and social politics. 
And I think that we can see this around a, a, a family of movements. You mentioned food sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And food sovereignty movements make a very powerful argument about food justice. They say food justice is not simply about nutrition, not simply about calories. It is about an ensemble of relations of cultural determination, of democracy, of gender equity, and of nutrition and care for all life. And that's a powerful package. If you put those in a package that can't be pieced out and taken apart as in previous movements for social justice, there's no redistributive answer to the claims of food sovereignty, then we start to have a very powerful way of reimagining food politics. Yeah, and it's such a, I mean, because it has, as you say, been such a challenge to do that, particularly for those folks living in cities, because part of the way that those dualisms, as you say, have been configured is to make so much of this stuff completely invisible to us, um, and that there's this massive industrial machinery to produce the food, to distribute it, etc. Um, and as you say, that like a, a politics that tries to not cheapen food in that way is going to have to think about all of those different stages uh, and yeah. Well, that's exactly right. And, and the danger of not crossing these divides of nature, society, of town and city and country of, of all these divides is that you end up with an environmentalist politics such as we have seen much too often over the past 40 years, which is a political vision that prioritizes individualism and individual consumption. So this is the Mm -hmm. concept of the ecological footprint. Uh, It, it prioritizes market-based solutions, and it prioritizes a kind of techn- technocratic governance, a, a rule of experts, rather than a more, I think, a more genuinely radical and effective politics, which would be premised on cutting across this work and reproduction divide. So where many environmentalists talk about consumption, I would say that in itself is a powerful, uh, that, that idea of consumption masks the extraordinary amount of work that goes on to reproduce life and home and family on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. So Jason, were you saying that um, previously the focus has been a little bit too on the individual? Well, I think it's been very individualist and I think it's been very market oriented. And of course, when we're talking about the main contours of environmentalism in the anglophonic world, and of course, there have been exceptions. We are also talking about a way of imagining the problem that fits in very well with individualism, which is uh, overpopulation. That's one of the causes of the problem. Mm-hmm. And of course, whenever we scratch an environmentalist and we find that neo-Malthusian who says, oh, there are too many people, we scratch a little more and then we find what they're really saying, which is too many brown people. And and that feeds directly. And this has been from the very origins, from the Blueprint for Survival in 1972 uh, through the Sierra Club's uh, um, politics in the 70s and 80s. This uh, anti-immigrant bias has been there from the beginning. Too many people in the developing world. Um, Yes, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. And look, I think, you know, we could, um, you know, we could keep going for days here because I think the, even there's analogs there in the sort of some of the interesting movements around energy that we're seeing popping up as well where people as you say are moving beyond a kind of how can i reduce my individual energy consumption to people thinking collectively about how energy can be produced differently and distributed differently etc with some of the sort of i guess you know community solar 
projects, etc., etc., that are that are popping up around the place. So some of that's covered as well, isn't it? Energy is another one of the things and that we can do. Energy into. is, of course, fundamental yeah. to doing what makes the whole modern economy run, which is advancing labor productivity. Mm. And so, yes, energy is fundamental. Of course, we are going to have to rebuild every city on Earth to deal with mm. not just the energy problem, but with all of those water, rising sea level problems, all of this uh, that, that we've seen very clearly. And I think we're also going to have to find creative solutions appropriate to the 21st century for combining the social justice movement politics around energy, around healthcare, around climate justice, around food, with political strategies. Because mm -hmm. these problems are simply so massive that the state will have to be right in the middle of dealing with this mm -hmm. problem. And we've seen what happens in places like Puerto Rico hit by climate-induced hurricanes where 80% of the population or more is still without power months later, relative to a place like Cuba where uh, the mortality levels from hurricanes and the mortality levels from many uh, uh, of the woes of life are much, much lower than they are in the United States. Jason, are you optimistic that we will be able to put in place some of these changes in our lifetime or in our children's I'm absolutely lifetime. optimistic. And Do we let's, have a choice? Let's, we don't have a choice, I think. Mm -hmm. I think you can go into a place of despair, and that's the easy move. I think we have to remember what every organizer who's ever been in the midst of a, a, a fundamental upsurge will tell you. They will tell you, we organized and organized for years and years and years, and nothing happened. And then overnight, mm -hmm. everything happened. And we have to be aware that those moments have been occurring and will continue. We see this with Occupy Wall Street movements, with anti-austerity movements, with Black Lives Matter in the United States, uh, with a whole series of powerful upsurges that are, uh, if one's optimistic, dress rehearsals for something bigger to come. We'll see if that possibility will be materialized. Well, kind of just got a shiver. Yeah. Thinking about that. I don't know. That's an awesome spot to end. Thanks so much for coming in today, Thank man. you, Kurt. Thank you, Alex. It's been a pleasure. Jason Moore has been our very special guest today. Um, the book is out in the States. He co-wrote it with Raj Patel. It's called A History of the World and Seven Cheap Things, A Guide to Capitalism, Nature, and the Future of the Planet. When will we get copies in our hands in Australia if people are interested in? In March with Black Ink. All right. And meanwhile, Shall if you want a taste of some of Jason's other work, he's got a website with some of his essays up on it. So it's www.jasonwmore.com. Well, that's so nice and easy. We'll also pop is. a link up on the morning's Facebook page as well. Easy. Help direct you to it. Well, thank you. You've been listening to Down to Earth. It's our fortnightly conversation about sustainability and a hell of a lot more. Um, mm -hmm. If you want to catch previous podcasts, all the episodes are up. Just head to fbiradio.com forward slash down to earth. Easy as that. Thank you, Jason Moore. Thank you, Kurt Iverson. Thank Cheers. you. Thank you. This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts.